right, it is Sunday, June 14th. This is the popular vote with Melissa and James. Melissa, how are you doing this week? I am doing pretty good. You know, today is Trump's birthday, and I'm doing nothing to celebrate it. So today's a great day. This week has been okay. Um, How's your week been? You know, my week has been actually pretty good. Um, In honor of Trump's birthday, I think it's a great day to go down a flight of stairs or to walk down a ramp. Have you seen the viral video? No, I haven't. Okay, so you and rest of America search like at the West Point commencement address. He like he was seemed very unstable. Like for all the claims and comments that he makes about Joe Biden's health, he honestly did not seem well. And when you see him walk down the steps, he was going very, very, very slowly, like as if he were afraid to fall. And then he couldn't even during his speech, he tried to drink a glass of water and he couldn't get it all the way up to his lips. So he had to use his other hand to like push it over. Oh, like he's holding the glass with one hand and he took his left hand at the very bottom of the cup and pushed it up and over. I don't know. I don't want to make fun of someone being differently abled. So like, I don't want to do that. But at the same time, like, I do think it's ironic that he, or hypocritical maybe. Yeah. Huh. That's, I will have to watch that video and read what people mm-hmm. think. There's a lot of conspiracies. There. I know. <laughs> you <laughs> know, I love a good one. <laughs> right. And you know what? Speaking of a good conspiracy, there's no better conspiracy right now for 2020 than the uh, Jeffrey Epstein Netflix documentary, which I know that you watched this past week and I want your take. I, I did watch it. Um, first of all, I, I think the documentary was pretty well done. I forgot how many episodes it is, but it took me a while to watch it because each episode is so heavy. Um, mm-hmm. They interview a lot of Epstein's victims and uh, really talk about what, what's what been going on for the last 20 years. Um, but it's it's a good watch, but just be prepared to have a lot of feelings about it. Um, so, but but when I was watching it, I I kept wondering like, how in the world did this go on for so long at such an unbelievable scare scale? Um, it went on for so many years. So many girls were trafficked and abused. Uh, when Epstein was arrested and charged, they were unbelievably lenient with that. So, of course, I went to the internet to look up conspiracy theories, and I just want to share this one. And normally when I share conspiracy theories, it's because I think they're silly and ridiculous and they make me laugh. But this is a, this is a conspiracy theory I truly believe. So I'm eager to get your thoughts on this. All right. Lay it on me. So the theory is that Jeffrey Epstein... I mean, was a pedophile with a lot of pedophile friends, but he was also a spy. And I think that he was maybe like a triple agent. He was probably a spy for the U.S. government, which is why they were so lenient. Maybe a spy for um, Israeli intelligence services because his partner's father was a well-known person um, Mm -hmm. in that community. And then maybe also a spy for like, I don't know, Russia, KGB, other very rich people. And his goal was to basically blackmail all of these very wealthy people that would come to his island or, uh, you know, engage in sex trafficking or um, pedophilia. And in the documentary, they talk about how there were so many cameras on his island 
um, cameras in every room, cameras everywhere. And so it put him in a position to very easily document what was going on and then use that as potential blackmail against these very wealthy millionaires, billionaires, politicians, royalty, Mm -hmm. etc., which seems believable. To, like, I, I just don't know how else this could have gone on and and for him to, like, not really be, like, serve significant jail time for it. Um, so I'll pause there to kind of do a little temperature check to see, like, if you think that's plausible or not before I get into the, the next one. Yeah, I mean, that one, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, it's like, it's like, it certainly, like, to me, it doesn't seem super far-fetched if he was providing a, as a source to all those organizations, you know, um, yeah. to be able to skirt, to so 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 uh, obviously and overtly skirt the law. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I, okay. I will be honest, I haven't been following, like, I know, like, a little bit about it, and I know I followed the news this past week about how, like, I guess Prince Andrew has been, like, mm-hmm. formally requested to testify or get deposed or interrogated by the FBI. Yeah. (laughs) So, so let me ask you this question. Um, One, two questions. One, do you think Jeffrey Epstein is dead or alive? No, I think he's dead. Okay. Do you think he killed himself or do you think someone killed him? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I generally, let me put it this way. It was, it is like, obviously, I, I can see why he would kill himself. Mm-hmm. Because if you are a source for all those organizations, it's like, I can either take myself out or I'm probably going to be taken out. And it's probably not going to be pleasant the way that I'm going to be taken out because it's not going to be by choice. Mm-hmm. So I, I could see a scenario where he does it and the prison basically turns a blind eye and is like, we don't really want to deal with this either, you know, because mm-hmm. it's yeah. like... I I could see that being likely, but I also, like I said, I mean, if you do have all those ties to those rich and famous people, it's plausible that he was killed. Yeah. The other conspiracy theory that I might subscribe to, I don't know, is that Epstein isn't actually dead. And that, which kind of like, it kind of makes sense. Like if Mm -hmm. you're that wealthy and connected and you've been doing such crazy illegal things for so long, especially when you're like maybe blackmailing people with it, I, I would have to imagine that you would have a contingency plan, whether that's, you know, it's like somehow escaping prison. I don't know. Having like a body double who, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like it's not a crazy idea to think that maybe he isn't dead if he was able to get away with this for Mm -hmm. so long and he has to have some kind of contingency plan that said um it's also very strange because when he was in prison and and he committed suicide was killed escaped whatever it was it's just so strange to me that like both cameras weren't working at that moment and like the security guard was asleep at that moment so i think there's something nefarious i'm either on on team jeffrey epstein is still alive and just like escaped and is now living in hiding for the rest of his life or that someone came in and murdered him Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and again, all of those are very plausible. I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't deny. Like, they're all very like with someone with that kind of money and those kinds of connections. Yeah, it's not, it's not like it's a. But there's so many different possibilities because there's so much money and power and 
that that's how I see it from 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 a I would say a casual viewer of the Jeffrey Epstein saga. You know, just a casual like if it's in the news, I'll read an article. You know, yeah. But I haven't seen the I haven't seen the Netflix documentary yet. But it's 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 been added to my my queue. So yeah, and just to clarify, the Netflix documentary it's very good, but it's very light on the conspiracy theories. It is focused on facts and interviews. So I have spent a lot of time on the internet reading about conspiracy theories, but. Did you did you watch HBO's Finding Neverland? Yes. Oh my gosh. Did you did you feel like it was kind of similar as far as the dark tone? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Which that I I don't even want to talk about Finding Neverland today. <laughs> that was another like I could not. I think it was two episodes. It was like four hours long. It was long. It, that was another really hard watch. Yeah. Very uh, yeah. Very hard. But I don't I don't want to. I mean, look. I, I want to. I'm sorry for bringing that up. Sorry for bringing you up, MJ. We're gonna we're gonna stay focused on on Epstein. So at this point, unless you have anything else to add, I mean, I guess the episode can only go up from here, right? I agree. Let's let's move on to another topic not involving pedophilia. Well, speaking of something fun, something a little dangerous, if you will, to quote to quote the title of one of my favorite Michael Jackson albums. Um, Fun or dangerous could be could be a block party could be a very dangerous area in America right now. I'd like to talk about the Chaz or the Chop, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone or Capitol Hill Occupied. Uh, uh, what is it? Occupied protest. Yes. Yes. Um, in Seattle, Washington. I know you've been following it. I did a little bit of light research, but I want to hear what you have to say about the uh, the Chaz. Okay, I am obsessed with this, and the reason I'm obsessed with this is because. The way people talk about this varies so dramatically. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to read. So there's a website that was started. I'm just going to read how the organizers and protesters talk about themselves. Okay. And they're also saying that, like, we're not going to call it CHOP. Like, we don't know who decided that. I think these people are, like, distractors and, like, right-wing media. So, like, I really have no idea what they're calling themselves. But this is from their website. The Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone is a six-block section around the East Precinct in Seattle, abandoned by police and left to burn. This area was instead seized by anarchists, BLM supporters, and other protesters who have since transformed it into a universal community based on mutual aid. Fundamentally, Chaz is an occupation of Capitol Hill, not an official declaration of independence. And when, you, when I look at photos of it, I mean, they they like put barriers up. They um, like created this no cop co-op where you can get like food and materials and they like don't accept money. It is just so fascinating to me. And like they really think they're doing something like they really think <laughs> they really think that they are their own entity. But I was watching the news and the Seattle mayor was doing an interview and the Seattle mayor was basically like. This is just a block party. Like we have block parties all the time in Seattle. And this is basically just a block party. And it made me laugh because it's just like you guys are not on the same page about what this is. So I'm eager to hear your thoughts about this. So again, again, whether it's a block party and it's fun or it's downright dangerous. I mean, if you watch, if you watch any of the Fox News clips on it. I haven't, no. I mean, you would think that well, what they're saying is is that this is a lawless area, which Okay, that, okay, it seems like there's no cops there. So, I mean, I guess that's kind of an apt adjective a little yeah. bit. 
um, if you assume that without police, you know, chaos occurs. Um, what they're saying is, is that some of the business owners in this area, I guess, have been like, they're saying that anecdotally, and there's no sources because no business owner will go on record, which yeah. I kind of believe, but um, they're saying that like some of the people who are in the leadership of this organization, which doesn't really exist, have gone up to business owners and said, well, if you don't want your shop looted, you'll give me $500 tonight and we'll guard it for you. That's what Fox News is saying. And they're saying that, the, the of course, that the, the liberal Democratic mayor, Jenny Durkin, has no control over the city, that this is ridiculous, that, you know, if we don't, you know, take back this precinct, blah, 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 blah. And like the fire police chief went to the abandoned police precinct to kind of like board it up and secure it. And then he was interviewed and, you know, he doesn't, of course, like every fire department right now does not want to get involved in any of this drama with police. Yes. So there, he's like, you know what? We all work together. We're all just, we're just doing the best we can. I mean, he was just like very, like, you could tell, like, he was like, this is not my circus. This is not my monkey. This is not my <laughs> sandbox, not my toys. I do not want to get involved. Um, but again, it is funny because, and this is like, I think, and you probably know a little bit more about Seattle, but I think Capitol Hill is like kind of a hipstery zone, right? Yeah, it okay. is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know how it ends. I will say if it is what, it, oh, one more thing. Um, Fox news, uh, like contributor guy Benson, who's this like gay Mitt Romney esque conservative who I, I have no time for. Um, he called it communist cosplay. I mean, I don't disagree with that. Honestly, <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, my thing is this, is that, is that I hope that this peacefully ends because if this goes on for like another, like, like a few more weeks, okay, it'll probably start to slow down. But if this continues for like a month, it's probably not going to end well. I could see it being like a left-leaning Ruby Ridge or Waco, which no one wants. And mm -hmm. I certainly hope it doesn't happen. But like, shit's crazy and things happen. This is 2020. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, they have a list of demands, which include things like <laughs> defunding the police. Um, I, yeah, I don't know how it's going to end. I like to think that people, people that live in that area, business owners in that area are probably going to become pretty intolerant and mm. really push for something to happen. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I don't think it's going to get violent. I mean, I looked at photos on Instagram with the hashtag, um, Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. There is an Instagram account called Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, and <laughs> and there's a the I don't know who runs that account, but they took a screenshot of their DMs, and a reporter was like, um, "I don't see like a blue check mark. Is this the official Instagram account of um, Chaz?" And the <laughs> the account replied and be like, "Excuse me, like why do we need to be deemed official by Instagram? Like why are you even asking this question? Like this is a movement that involves everybody. There's no leader. There's no official Instagram account." And I'm like, "Okay, this is oh lord, like you do you. I'm." I'm happy for you, but I can't deal with this. Yeah, it looks like to me, everything I see, it's like one part like summer's farmer's market, <laughs> one part like woke university, one yeah. part, you know, um, like Occupy Wall Street. Yes, that's what it reminds me of, Occupy Wall Street. It, that's probably the closest thing to it. So yeah. um, we'll yeah. see what happens. I, you know, I certainly hope it ends, ends with... Um, with a, you know, a nice decrescendo and everything, you know, uh, 
and everything, you know, hopefully, you know, change is made for the better, right? I Yes, I agree. That's what we're all hoping for, change for the better. <laughs> um, speaking of change for the better, NASCAR this week. Let's talk about NASCAR. <laughs> vroom, vroom. Uh, <laughs> who knew? Who knew? Becoming a fan of NASCAR, like, I needed to put that on my 2020 bingo sheet because I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Yeah, so in case our listeners don't know, NASCAR said, and and to be fair, also the U.S. Navy and several other organizations have come forward and said, you know what, it's not appropriate to have Confederate, um, some people call them rebel flags, let's call them what they are, they're Confederate flags, Yeah. Um, Confederate flags in workspaces, and then also like at NASCAR events. Um, well, I mean, obviously, my whole thing about this whole debate is Confederate flags, Confederate statues. If I hear one more time someone say, well, you're trying to erase history, my head is going to explode. It's it's literally just going to, it's going to pop off and end up on the moon. Yeah, I really struggle with this argument because for so many reasons. One is a lot of those statues like were built in the 1960s and 70s mm-hmm. at like during the civil rights movement as kind of a subversive way to say like uh, we we're still racist basically yeah. we're going intim- to and they were put in public spheres to intimidate african americans yes that's literally why they're there same thing with the confederate flag like mm-hmm. that that became also became popular in the 60s and 70s. Um, and yeah, the Confederate flag, I I, I really find it frustrating that people feel so strongly about it. I have spent a lot of time on NASCAR's Facebook page um, reading comments from people about how upset they are. And first of all, I've never seen so many angry misspelled words in a comment section. Oh my god. But beyond that, like I just I just jotted down some comments that I saw from these people and <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. So somebody <laughs> somebody commented um NASCAR was born in the South. The flag is irrelevant to what you are saying. It's part of NASCAR heritage, which I love how like the argument went from like, it's the heritage of the country. It's the heritage of the South. So, like now it's the heritage of NASCAR. What? <laughs> what? You know, my whole thing with all of this is at the end of the day, like this is an anti-American flag. This is no different. This was a flag of the of, of a group that wanted to secede from the United States and and continue the enslavement of an entire race of people. I know. They it's literally a flag of a terrorist nation yes. and people are acting like it's the most patriotic thing ever. It's beyond ridiculous. People people on the Navy's uh, Instagram page were saying like, well, I don't want to join the Navy now. And it's like, well, then you're probably not a very good American if you if you care more about a, a rogue terrorist uh, tearaway group from what now? Um, you know, almost what, what, 160, 170 years yeah. ago? You know, you care more about that than, than being a patriotic American. But yet these are the same people who are like, you need to stand for the national anthem. And you know, that's true. I know. I know. I know. (laughs) Yeah. It, it, it blows my mind. And it's like, okay, let's, let's entertain the argument that it's heritage and history. Mm -hmm. Why do you need to bring a piece of heritage and history to a sporting event? What are you going to educate the people around you with your flag? Like it's, it's so irrelevant. 
and I, for the record, I think it, I think the Confederate flag is so racist. It, it, I am so flabbergasted at the lengths people will go to to be racist, mm-hmm. but argue that like it's not, it's, yeah, it's not, yeah. Um, and I, I'm also a big fan of NASCAR because they're really supporting. I don't know if he's the only. One of the very few black NASCAR drivers, his name is um, Bubba, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and I, I I appreciate the decision that NASCAR made. I appreciate that they're throwing their support behind this um, driver who seemed to be the catalyst. I mean, he called for them to, uh, you know, put an end to Confederate flags mm-hmm. being at races. And he's also now driving a car that says uh, Black Lives Matter on it. Um, and I, I, good on them for, you know, supporting all of this. Um, but I mean, this Facebook page, James, like not only did people freak out about the post saying like, Confederate flags are banned. There were then some posts about Bubba. They interviewed him. I'm and sure they were wildly racist. Oh, my gosh. Do you have more comments? I have a few more. Yeah. <laughs> this is a good one. NASCAR bans the Confederate flag, but allows Bubba to put Black Lives Matter on his car. Double standard. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, here, okay, this is my final comment. This one's a little long, but it's it just perfectly encapsulates some of these crazy ways they're justifying their racism. Um, this is a post about Bubba and his car that says Black Lives Matter. Then take Black Lives Matter off of your car. NASCAR's roots are from the South. It is part of our nation's history. What's next? You want to burn all books about the Civil War? If you have the right to put whatever you want on your car, then they have the right to display the flag. You can't have it both ways. You're going to start kneeling during the national anthem? Six question marks. NASCAR, I hope it rains every weekend this year. Uh, Yeah. Oh, and one other thing about NASCAR that I just want to say. I saw they tweeted today, yesterday. um, They said, you know, they're partnering with an organization called You Can Play, uh, which fights for the eradication of homophobia in sports, uh, centered on the slogan, if you can play, you can play. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why that's funny, but it is. (laughs) Yeah. Um, anyway, they tweeted and they said they're partnering with this movement organization to ensure safety and inclusivity of LGBTQ athletes, coaches, and fans. And you can imagine the comments on that announcement oh as well. Because, you know, it's Pride Month. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I, you know, it's just this whole, the, it's like, and I feel like it's like every, every like five or six years in America, this debate pops up again with the Confederate yes. flag, statues, all that stuff. It just pops up. And, you know, I will say this, you know, strangely enough, you know, my, my favorite, I would call him a knuckle dragger in the Senate, uh, Mitch McConnell, even he, um, you know, supported removing from the Kentucky Capitol building, the statue of Jefferson Davis. Um mm-hmm. So, and that it's being removed. I mean, so, and here's the thing, my whole thing with all these arguments about like these historical figures, you know, like Jefferson Davis or the names of, you know, generals like Fort Bragg, for example, in North Carolina is named after, I guess, a Confederate general. My whole thing is this, it's like, and they say, well, if you get rid of them, then you have to get rid of Thomas Jefferson. It's like, well, 
Thomas Jefferson is problematic. And I think you have to recognize that, but you have to look at, you have to, you have to take every, every person within historical context, think about the good that they did. Think about the bad that they did teach both. That doesn't mean that you get rid of everything, but at the end of the day, if you were a Confederate, you were, you were fighting against the union period. Yeah. Thomas Jefferson was not advocating for dissolving the country that we exist in now. That doesn't mean that I agree with everything that he did and everything that he said, because obviously in his personal life, he was a slave owner. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's just when people go, well, then you have to get rid of Thomas Jefferson. And it's like, it's like, well, you need to learn the full picture, bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I agree. But I'm, I'm officially a NASCAR fan. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I just, I need jerseys. I need posters. I need merch. I need tickets. Like, let's go. I am going to support NASCAR now. Love it. Love it. Total plot twist for 2020 (laughs) for you, Melissa. I agree. Oh, gosh. So speaking of it being Pride Month, I wanted to just share a little story. One of my favorite, favorite um, kind of like gay historical trailblazer stories um, of all time is um, about, and not a lot of people know about this person, but it's um, Staff Sarge, Army Staff Sergeant Perry Watkins. And it's a very cool story. There's a podcast called Making Gay History, which it's very over the top in my opinion. It's basically like gay history meets, um, what's that show on NBC that is very over the top emotional? We've talked about it before. Oh, This Is Us? Yeah, it's like This Is Us meets like gay history. It's very over the top. I can't with it sometimes, but they have an interview with Perry Watkins from like the late 80s and it's, it's fascinating. Anyways, so I'll just kind of dive in and hit some of the highlights of his career because if you don't know about Perry Watkins, you should definitely learn and he does not get enough credit for being um, the trailblazer that he was for um, gay rights. So Perry Watkins, by the way, African-American man, is was, was openly gay in the late 60s, was a college student when he was drafted. So he gets drafted for the Vietnam War in like 67 or 68. And on the application at the time, because this was pre-Don't Ask, Don't Tell, it asked you, are you a homosexual? Well, he checked the yes box because he says, I'm not going to lie. You know, in the interview, he goes, I'm just going to be honest and, you know, whatever. So he did not want to go to Vietnam, but he didn't have any moral objection to being in the army. It's just he didn't really want to do it like most people, Um, as he as he says, I wasn't there. I don't know. But um, so he checks the box. Yes, he's a homosexual. What the draft board, then they sent him down to some psychologist and the psychologist at the time said, well, what do you do? And like got into the nitty gritty of his sex life. And he said that he was gay. And so in no uncertain terms. And, um, and then he said, well, do you date women? The psychologist or psychiatrist said this and Perry Watkins goes, sure. I've, you know, I date women, but he was gay, but he said, sure. I date women because he goes, it's the sixties. You know, I go on dates with women. And, um, and so the psychiatrist says, yes, he's a homosexual, but he's fit for military duty. And Perry Watkins in the interview has a theory that if he was white and gay, he would not have been sent to Vietnam and he would never have been drafted. He would have been found not fit. But because he was black, the U.S. government at the time didn't give a shit about, you know, African-Americans, you know. So anyway, so he says basically because he's black and gay, they go ahead and say, you're homosexual, but you're fit for service. So Perry Watkins never lied. And the U.S. Army said, yep, you're good to go. We know you're gay, but you're good to go. So he gets drafted as an openly gay man. If this is true, you can't make this up. Is this not wild? That's, yeah, it's crazy. So he gets drafted. Does his initial two years because, um, you know, stints then were weirder under the draft rules. So then he gets out. He lives through Vietnam because the army, I think they drafted him knowing that he would probably die, you know, in Vietnam, you know, in all honesty. 
that the problem wouldn't exist. Well, he long story short, for 15 years he serves in the US Army. Wow. And he keeps he keeps like he over the years he gets to a new command and he served in Korea and Germany and all over the place. Every time he gets to a new command, you know, they go, Well, are you gay? And they're like, Well, we can't have gay people. And then they look in his file and they see, well, he's gay, but they also say he's fit for service. So they just kind of keep going. And he gets uh, he works in personnel services, so he gets the security clearance. And throughout the years they had tried to revoke his security clearance but ultimately they couldn't because he was open about being gay he wasn't lying so he, he couldn't have been blackmailed so so finally like so for years he does this dance where he gets pissed off at the army because he's like look like you either want me or no you know what i mean like you're saying yeah. that i'm fit for service but you're also saying you're gay and you don't want me well when reagan came in in the early 80s they really put the kibosh on all the gay service members um and and he his his last security investigation reveals again he's gay but this time the army goes oh you're gay like we don't want you anymore anyways like we really like now we really don't want you because you're gay so they do discharge things and they say well you admitted that you were gay so we can't have you but it's that whole dichotomy like the yeah. army knew from the get-go that he was yeah. gay and he was open about it so he gets out and he sues he sues the army and it goes up to the, so he, he, he basically, I think he wins at every district and eventually he, the army appeals it to the ninth circuit, which is the, the California circuit um, in most of the Western part of the U S and he wins there and he's able to be reinstated. Now, by the time now that he was, I think um, discharged in 81 or 82, by the time this finally goes through, it's like the late eighties, it's 88, 89. Cause you know how, you know, mm -hmm. federal court cases go. So, and instead of going back into the service, he accepts a settlement and he gets a um, promotion, full retirement benefits because he had served 15 years. And the big problem was when he got out at 15 years, every employer goes, why did you not serve 20? Why didn't you do a full career? Like, right. why would you get out? And then he had to explain, well, it was because, you know, I'm gay. And they're like, well, we don't have a problem with that. And they were like, but didn't you, did you lie about being gay? And he's like, no. And they're like, well, we don't believe that the army would invest in you if they knew. They just didn't believe him. Yeah. So anyways, he gets, and he gets like $130,000 settlement, promotion, full retirement benefits and everything. And, um, and was kind and, but the thing is, this is that I think the reason why it's so important that we remember him this month is that he was a bold African-American gay service member, um, who served his country for 15 years, but the gay, uh, movement at the time really didn't want too much to do with him. Mm -hmm. Um, and eventually he died of HIV AIDS in I think 94 and 95, mm -hmm. but really an incredible story. I'm obsessed with it because basically the army took him in mm -hmm. and when they didn't want him, they tried to get rid of him for being gay and it didn't work out. Yeah. That's an amazing story. Yeah. I had never heard that story before. Um, and he sounds like an amazing person because I feel like when he was in the service, even though they like accepted him, I, I'm sure it was still a struggle for him and maybe how he was treated. And then to also know that like, like, I wonder if he, if he had any awareness of like, I wonder if he felt genuinely wanted by the army or if he just felt like they thought that I was going to die in the Vietnam War, you know, but he was still... He was still um, loyal 
to yeah. well what's funny is when he was in germany for three or four years at one point he was openly performing in drag in germany at oh army events as simone his drag his drag queen persona and Love like that. and like the army like the captain like the it sounded like the army leadership at the time was like this is hilarious this is great what a morale booster like he was openly okay, performing good, as good. simone I love that. Oh my god! And at one point early on in his career, the because the thing is, this the army was really playing games and ruining people's lives throughout this whole period. If you were gay, I mean, they were wiretapping phone calls. Yeah. They were, I mean, harassing service members. I mean, it was the stuff that was going on was was quite nasty. And you can read about it in a book called Conduct Unbecoming. It's fascinating. It's it's one of my favorite books on military history because it's all about being gay in the military. And they were really going after women for a whole other reason that I'm not going to get into here. Um, but anyways, um, at one point early on in his career, he was, he was sexually assaulted. Um, oh. and when he went to the, uh, authorities in the army, the army, the army basically was like, well, we don't really care about the assault. We want to know who the gay people were who did this to you because we want to go after them for being gay. That's awful. I mean, he literally got no justice for being sexually assaulted at the time. Now, here's something I think definitely both of us can get behind. <laughs> you know, there's going to be a lot of empty um areas for statues you know mm -hmm. and i feel like this guy is a great candidate yeah for absolutely. his own statue in, in, a, in a big city uh he's someone i think everyone should learn about I yeah mean, there's absolutely the, talk about wanting to learn about history and heritage i feel mm -hmm. like he he is someone everyone should know about fascinating sure. i'm so thankful that that um all of our listeners and and you melissa have given me the opportunity to share my love of staff sergeant <laughs> perry watkins because i'm obsessed with him <laughs> yeah so moving on to our losers and legends of the mm -hmm. week um I will let you go first, but my loser and legend is one and the same. Okay. Plot okay. Twist. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm going to start with my legend of the week. And my legend of the week is Big Gretch. Big Gretch. <laughs> Big Gretch is uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer from the great state of Michigan. Um, and a rapper, a Detroit-based rapper named G... Hang on, let me make sure I'm I'm saying his name correctly. G Mac Cash uh, created a song for her uh, called "Big Gretch." It's a, it, honestly, it's a really good song. I highly recommend everybody listen to it. Um, <clears throat> but it just it it praises her uh, and her decisions lately. And you know what? I think that when you're a governor. There are a lot of different ways you can gauge how the people of your state view you. One is certainly polls. One is, you know, articles. One is just like getting in your community and talking to people. But I feel like a rap song dedicated to you and how amazing you are is probably one of the most amazing ways for one of your constituents to tell you how amazing they think you are. So Big Gretch is my winner of the week, legend of the week. Oh, I love that. And and I would rather have a rap song written about me than winning like a People's Choice Award. I'm just oh, gonna throw it absolutely. out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I yeah. I agree with that. Especially then, by someone with street cred in Detroit. Thank you very much. <laughs> For all of our Detroit <laughs> listeners out there. Your street cred means a lot to us. <laughs> um do you want me to go into my loser of the week or do you want to go with your uh, why, 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 um, why, why don't you go? Okay. My loser of the week is the uh, 
Bon Appetit magazine saga. <laughs> Which I know we haven't, we haven't, I'm not going to go into details. Okay. There's so much about it online. Oh. It is just, just a huge shit show and mess. Mm -hmm. For those who don't know anything, Bon Appetit's is a super popular magazine and YouTube channel, um, all about cooking, recipes, et cetera. And uh, their editor-in-chief, Adam Rappaport, uh, turns out to be like a pretty racist person. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a photo of him in in brown face, which is problematic. Uh, but also, he like doesn't pay people of color on staff, and when he does pay them, it's significantly less than Ugh. white people on staff. And so this kind of blew up online, um, but it it unveiled a lot so much so many other issues on staff and i think a lot of people are going to end up getting canceled um <laughs> rip uh from this whole saga and uh yeah it's just it's i guess the thing is what i struggle with is like this whole saga is just it's awful it should have everyone should be paid appropriately mm -hmm. right um but it, it's unfortunate that when i was reading all about this i'm like i I, like I'm not surprised that people of color are getting paid less at a magazine that uh, it seems like most leadership is white. All of their recipes are like you know American, like super basic foods. Um, you know, so it's like it's a loser because it happened, but it's also a loser because it's like me and I'm sure a lot of other people weren't particularly surprised, and that's also super unfortunate. Yeah. Ugh, yikes. Did you hear about how Allison Roman almost got dragged into this? Yes. <laughs> okay, we're not going to go into that, but that about the Amy Winehouse costume, you know what I'm talking about? Yes, Amy Winehouse slash like Chola or something. I think she was, this This cultural critic was saying like, we need to go after Allison Roman, but like for looking like she was wearing like, I guess like brown face for being Hispanic, but it was just, it was literally just an Amy Winehouse costume. <laughs> And so some people were like coming to her defense. Like it's just I know who knew who knew like the food community. I, I guess I it's Yeah, just, I didn't know either. Like I like cooking, but I'm I'm not really like ingrained in celebrity chefs or whatever. Like who knew that there was so much drama in this community? Um and Allison Roman in particular, who like I thought she got canceled a couple weeks ago, but apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> With the whole Marie Kondo, Chrissy Teigen drama. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I, I just, I, you know what? I'm not going to say plot twist a fourth time this episode. I've said it enough. Okay. I, I, I bet I'm, I'm canceling that, that term for this episode, but yikes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, my loser and legend of the week is Melania Trump. Ooh. Okay. And she's a loser. I mean, because she's, she, we, we know why I'm not going to go into that. But she's a legend this week also because did you hear about how there's a new autobiography or not autobiography, biography coming out about Melania Trump called The Art of Her Deal. And in it, remember when she like didn't move into the White House for like six months? Yes. They're saying that she was renegotiating her prenup at that time. Interesting. Which Good I believe. Her. Yeah. I believe because they lead apparently, this is by all, you know, public accounts, they, you know, are in separate bedrooms. They basically lead separate lives. Um, I was listening to an interview with the author of the book and there's like, I guess there's this like integral unit of Melania, her son, Baron, 
and her two parents that are like an indiv- that are like a real family unit, I guess, within mm. the White House. And spoiler alert, they all they all speak Slovenian to each other, even Baron. And it really apparently makes Trump mad because he doesn't know what they're saying. <laughs> you know? So they all only they'll only speak Slovenian to each other. And like, I just think we're gonna find out that there was a lot going on behind the scenes when because mm-hmm. I you don't renegotiate a prenup if you're not planning on getting divorced. Right? Yeah. So I think that they are going to get divorced probably either right after this election or in, you know, another four years or whenever Trump is out of the office, I, I, I think a divorce is imminent. Ah, uh, that's interesting. I don't, um, cause why would you renegotiate a prenup? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> that's true. That's true. I agree with And yeah, apparently right. she started negotiations when the, um, access Hollywood tape dropped because <gasps> that was when her leverage was highest. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's like, like we just we don't know, but also what's weird is is also like Melania Trump is like she's been I think on I'm just gonna say it I think she's been a total troll this administration whether it's wearing the I don't really care do you jacket or her whole campaign be best about not cyberbullying like I think she's trolling. I, I guess I just don't know enough about her to really understand like what what she's trying to do. To me, she seems like somebody who doesn't really like the spotlight. She mm-hmm. doesn't really like her husband. She doesn't want to be involved in what's going on. And she's probably like a little worried and scared about like saying too much or doing too much. Right. right. Um, so I, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I, I'm very neutral on her because I I see it both ways. I could see her being complicit because she's still married to this person. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I could see how she's like, I have no other choice right now, <laughs> right? Like yeah. I, uh, yeah. So I don't, I don't. I want to learn more about her. I wish she would do some interviews, some s- more speeches, and really mm-hmm. kind of speak from the heart rather than whatever Stephen Miller wrote for her, whoever right. her or, is. Or, you or, know, um, plagiarizing from Michelle Obama. You know, one and the oh. same. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah. gosh. Well, I, you know what? I had a great time talking to you this week, Melissa. Was there anything else fun going on in the, in the world this week? I know fun is, a, uh, is an apt, ter- is a loaded term for the times that we live in. Uh, I, there's a lot of protests going on today. There's a, a drag protest going on in Boys Town. I love it. Um, which I wanted to stop by, but I I am still very concerned about coronavirus, and I know there's other ways I can mm-hmm. contribute to the movement and cause. Um, but this week has been a quiet week in Chicago. I hope it stays the same. I hope people still get out there and protest in a peaceful way. Um, I hope change comes to every city that needs it, what, whatever that looks like, whatever works best for that city. Um, so, yeah, I... It hasn't been a fun week, but I've been inspired by all of the the protests and the the actions that I see people taking. So you know what? Nothing else needs to be said. I think that's a great way to end this episode. <laughs> all right, awesome. All right, take care, guys. Bye. Bye.